And tonight, hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit until the last one. Her kick is blocked. Georgia Tech blocks it. The Jackets pick it up back in the 25, and Austin is returning it down the left oh, side. Pass the 50, a blocker, pass the 30. Inside the 20, inside the 10. And he scores! And he scores! Hey, great football Wednesday, everybody. Great to have you with us on another edition of uh, Strong as Steel. It's the most informative, entertaining, and, yep, analytical podcast for you to get set for the upcoming college football season. I'm Michael Regai, our producer, Jim Nabosna, always front and center, and, of course, uh, our authority, uh, the author of Phil Steele's College Football Preview and the preeminent Analyst in the business. Great to be joined, as always, by Phil Steele. Hey, Phil, how you feeling today? Real good, Michael. How about yourself? I'm terrific because we keep checking off days. Uh, here we are, Phil, Wednesday, August the 9th. I mean, we are literally now less than, well, right about uh, right about three weeks away from those uh, those first kickoffs. Of course, we have the uh, the game in Australia that starts out the college football campaign, but then uh, August 31st, Friday the 1st, Labor Day weekend, Saturday, September 2nd, we're ready to roll, and I know that you are uh, absolutely grinding away, uh, getting ready for this one. Uh, today, Phil, we've got the Sun Belt, and it is the uh, the last of our group of five. I want to remind you right off the top, again, just you're, you're real, literally a mouse click away. Go to iTunes. Go to iTunes, and you can, in addition to having out your Bible, Phil Steele's College Preview Magazine, go back and get uh, all of the the other nine conferences and independents we've already done as uh, we are rolling through uh, the beginning to, to the beginning of this 2017 season. All right, Phil, let's get rolling here. And uh, the Sun Belt, since uh, they're not broken up into divisions, 12 football programs in the Sun Belt. We will, as always, take them in alphabetical order. We're going to do the uh, the first six alphabetically today, Wednesday the 9th, and then we'll finish up, of course, uh, tomorrow and uh, bring you uh, the final six in the Sun Belt on Thursday the 10th. And uh, maybe not so ironically, but as we start alphabetically, Phil, our first stop, Boone, North Carolina with Appalachian State and I tell you what, I think everybody that's a college football fan knows about Appalachian State. Now, Phil, they started, uh, uh, remember back in 2014, they're a 1-5 football team, and then since that period in time, head coach Scott Satterfield and his Mountaineers, they've ripped off a 27-5 and mark in their last 32 football games. They've got bowl wins over two very strong MAC schools, Ohio and Toledo. Their QB, Taylor Lamb, will make his 37th career start, Phil, at Georgia down uh, between the hedges on September 2nd. This is a talented dual-threat quarterback. They're loaded with weapons. They went 10-3 and a year ago, 7-1 and in the Sun Belt, Phil. They tied for first. They averaged 36 points a game in 15. Now, they did go down to 29 points a game last year. The D is always stout. 
They allowed 19 points a game in 15, only 17 points a game, Phil, last year. I know one of your top defenses uh, in the nation. Seven starters back. Phil, I, right, right off the top, I mean, if they happen to upset Georgia on September 2nd in the opener, could we be looking at virtually the same thing that Western Michigan did last year, running the table into a group of five New Year's Bowl bid with Appalachian State? Uh, absolutely. In fact, uh, in the magazine, if you look at my uh, surprise team list, I list South Florida as the number one surprise team this year, or team from the group mm-hmm. of five to make that uh, New Year's Day. But if App State was to beat Georgia, I think they would uh, skip over South Florida because they face, uh, you know, their schedule is is pretty close, but they'd have that marquee win under their belt with Georgia. And, you know, a couple things about App State. You touched on the fact Satterfield's great record since that one and five start. This year is a veteran team. 14 returning starters coming back, seven on offense. Seems like Taylor Lamb's been playing there about 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not, it's only his fourth. Uh, they've got Jalen Moore back. At running back, he rushed for 1,402 yards last year. Top three receivers are back. Uh, the offensive line, probably the number one priority in the spring. The starters are fine. They need to build some depth. But guys like uh, Colby Gossett, Bo Nunn, and Victor Johnson, all all league caliber offensive linemen. So they're loaded there. You look at this team on the defensive side of the ball, Antonio Sims up front. Uh, Mike, uh, Mike Stout up front are both all conference caliber. Eric Boggs at linebacker and Clifton Duck at cornerback. And as you touched on, that defense has been pretty doggone good in the last two years. In fact, my computer's called for him to allow just 316 yards per game. Now, mm. last year, App State opened up with Tennessee. Tennessee had a big game on deck. They had uh, the game in Bristol, 150,000 with right. Virginia Tech. And they might have got caught looking ahead a little bit. In fact, App State probably should have won that game against Tennessee. Uh, they had uh, they uh, had they had the lead the majority of the game. Ended up coming up short at the end. But now they get Georgia this year, and Georgia's got some game against Notre Dame the next week. So once again, <laughs> nice situation for App State. Uh, and I do believe if this is a team where if they can upset Georgia in the opener, you know, they avoid most of the big boys in the Sun Belt. They do not have to play Arkansas mm-hmm. State. They right. do not have to play Troy. They do not have to play South Alabama. So the schedule, I'm rate number 130 in the country, get past Georgia, and they got a shot at uh, getting that New Year's Day bowl bid. Yeah, well, the the gang at South Point, and Phil and I always uh, here in Strongest Steel, what we do in these previews, we give you the projected win total uh, from Las Vegas. And, uh, Phil, uh, like us, as to no surprise, there is a tremendous amount of belief in Scott Satterfield and Appalachian State. You ready for this? Uh, I bet you know. I, I guarantee you Phil can come within a, uh, a half game of it. Uh, nine and a half, Phil, so... Not a lot of margin for error there, but uh, I, I, I'm interested in seeing if, if you believe that, uh, that this could be, even with a loss to Georgia, an 11-win football team going into the bowl game. Very easily, and uh, nine and a half is an extremely doable number here. I mean, the other game that you throw into question during the course of the year would be Wake Forest at home because Wake wasn't a bowl game last year. They're an ACC team, for crying out loud. Uh, The last time they hosted an ACC team was Miami, and they got beat 45-10 to in that game. 
But I have App State a slight favorite in that one, so I'm going to go with the over. I've, I've got their win total at 11. Gives us a little bit of a cushion, which is more than usual for these uh, very sharp South Point numbers this year. I'm leaning with the over for App State, and uh, watch that Georgia game. It's going to be one of those games yeah. that really circle on uh, September 2nd to watch. I'm with you. Very locked in, and I think all of you should take heed to that because this is one. You remember last year, I mean, that uh, it's not 10 years, Phil, since uh, Appalachian State, I think, really burst on the scene and opened everybody's eyes. At that time, you know, I was calling their games in the in the FCS. They were, you know, one of the powerhouses in the FCS, national champion, uh, contender every year. Ten years ago, Phil, it's been now since they went to the big house and on that block field goal took down uh, Lloyd Carr and his Michigan Wolverines. So uh, since then, I don't know if they sneak up on anybody, but – they have certainly, as you pointed out, I mean, the FBS, they've got a chance to make a lot of noise this year. So we're both, Phil and I, both very bullish on Appalachian State. And, oh, yeah, I'm joining Phil and going over that nine and a half. All right, let's keep going here in the Sun Belt. We're, we're breaking them up. And these are alphabetically now. These are not our projected order of finish. Although, as I said, Phil, ironically, Appalachian State shows up there. Have to check Phil Steele's college football preview to see how he he looks at a, a possible finish in the Sun Belt. We move from uh, Boone, North Carolina. Let's head into the state of Arkansas. Arkansas State and their fourth-year head coach, Blake Anderson, uh, looking to keep this very strong Red Wolves program attached to Appalachian State. Phil, that's the best way to say it because, again, they 7-1 were the, uh, the, uh, the Red Wolves tied with the uh, uh, Appalachian State for first in the Sun Belt a year ago. They won the Cure Bowl last year, Phil, as a dog, right? They were a dog to UCF. And, Phil, they rolled them 31-13 in that win. Real strong step forward defensively. They allowed only 21 points per game last year. Now, Phil, as Phil points out, though, and he'll embellish here in a minute, they, they do lose six of their top nine tacklers, but uh, – Keep an eye on an Alabama transfer defensive tackle, D-liner, 325 pounds of a, a mountain of a run stopper. And uh, they got off to an 0-4 start, uh, then ripped off wins in eight of their last nine. Phil just mentioned when we were doing Appalachian State, they don't play Appalachian State. They are at Nebraska in the opener. And they welcome the Hurricanes of Miami. Uh, to Centennial Bank Stadium in Arkansas in Week Two, um, their their QB started his career at Oklahoma. Phil, the bottom line is, I mean, they've got all the ingredients here. Uh, that's obvious. Can they keep pace with Appalachian State in the Sun Belt? You know, and last year was an unusual year for Arkansas State because they they couldn't run the ball. They didn't get a lot of push off the offensive line. In fact, they averaged three point five yards per carry, just one hundred and thirty seven yards per game rush. You look at the previous four years, they basically averaged over 200 yards per game rushing and about very close to five yards per carry. This year they lose all five offensive linemen, so you might think they're in trouble. But talking to Coach Anderson this year, uh, he actually thinks the offensive line is going to be better at run blocking. These guys are bigger. Uh, they're stronger than last year's edition, maybe a little bit more mobile. And I think they get back to that run-blocking ability. You're looking at guys like at left tackle, Leonard Bonner is uh, 6'5", 330 pounds, uh, probably the best offensive lineman. Now, he was a Juco that came in last year, 
and redshirted. So generally it takes JUCOs a year to get up to speed. Well, he's had that year. They've got an Iowa State transfer at left guard in J.P. Filbert. So I think their offensive line, with zero returning starters off a poor year, is going to be much better than expected. Now, Justice Hansen didn't win the starting job out of the box last year. It was Chad Wojtek. Uh, part of the reason for that, Hansen wasn't a great practice player, but Hansen did prove it on the field. I thought the team got better as he took control. And if you watch Arkansas State games, you got to love their running back, Warren Wand. And he's going to enjoy running behind this much bigger offensive line because Warren Wand is five foot five, 179. So when he gets the ball, I don't know if the defense lineman is even going to be able to see him past the offensive lineman to see where he is, and that's going to get Juan some extra yards. they got some pretty good receivers with Pascal and Murray. And defensively, I think they've got the best defensive line uh, in the league with D-liner. And then Javon Roland-Jones, a guy that had 13 and a half sacks last year, oh, yeah. coming off that defensive end spot. Uh, Kyle Wilson at, at linebacker, Clifton and Taylor at cornerback. I like the talent of this year's team. Now, last year, they probably should have won the Sun Belt. I mean, they opened mm-hmm. up 0-4. Uh, yeah, they lost to Toledo, Auburn, and Utah State, and then got upset by Central. But they really outplayed all their Sun Belt opponents. You look at the one game they lost late in the year at Louisiana. They had a 521 to 292 yard edge, 28 to 15 first down edge. Yet mm. somehow, uh, how do you lose lost that, that game? game. How do you well, lose that game? <laughs> it's tough, but it's generally you, when you look at something like that, you're thinking turnovers, and yep. there was a couple of key key plays like that that happened in the game. Now, I will say this. I've talked to Coach Blake Anderson each year. And when Anderson took over, it was 2014. He was the fifth head coach in five years. And I believe he, when he took over, he, they had about 54 scholarship players. They're still not, and that happens when you have coaching changes. There's a lot of players that were recruited by one coach leave, so they were a depth shy team. He has done nothing but get this team to produce. And the amazing thing about Arkansas State, they have won their share, won or shared the league title in the Sun Belt five of the last six years. How many times have they been picked to win it? Zero. They have never been picked to win it. So you know he's enjoying the fact they were picked third in the conference this year. I like the talent they have on hand. They avoid App State in conference play. And uh, you look at their record on the road. This is a team that's 19-4 and on the road in SBC play. So they're capable of winning games at Georgia Southern, at South Alabama, at New Mexico State this year. I think they're going to contend for the league honors once again and probably enjoying the fact they were picked third. Yeah, so to, to answer my question, yeah, you see them keeping pace with Appy State, no doubt about that. It's a very, very talented football team, as Phil and I laid out. And, Phil, we touched on the uh, the schedule a, a little bit, and uh, South Point has them, I think, a very doable, if you're thinking over here, a, a seven-and-a-half for those, uh, those talented and tough Red Wolves of Arkansas State. I, I like the over here, Phil. Yeah, and you look in their first four games, they're going to be an underdog in three of them. So you figure they probably are going to enter league play at one and three this year. Then they've got eight league games to play. So to get to seven and a half, they're going to have to win seven of those eight games. I've got them favored in all eight. So I'm going to go with the over with Arkansas State. I I think that they do start out a little bit slow. I mean, winning at Nebraska would be extremely tough. Same thing with Miami. And watch out for SMU this year. They're one of the more underrated teams. By the way, check out a blog on philsteel.com right now, which goes over the uh, injuries lost for last year. Mm -hmm. SMU comes up very uh, good in that category, meaning they had a lot of injuries last year, which is going to bode well this year. But that's a very interesting blog and one that's not in the magazine this year that you should check out on the website, so go to philsteel.com and check that one out. 
Beautiful. We will all make sure we do that uh, post-haste. We're doing the Sun Belt today here on Strong as Steel. Phil Steele, as always, uh, the preeminent guru in college football. I'm Michael Regai, our producer, Jim Nabosna. Great to have all of you with us. And again, just go to iTunes. Uh, if you've missed your favorite football team, your favorite conference, uh, how we evaluate them and assess them, uh, this uh, this Sun Belt uh, wraps up the 10 conferences that we've done in preview, plus the independents. So make sure you go to iTunes. It's right there for you. If you're uh, driving to work, to and from work, maybe doing some chores around the house, mowing the lawn, you'll get it all. And because we're three weeks uh, as we get set for the kickoff of the college football season, you want to check out all 130 here on Strong as Steel to make sure that you can dazzle your friends and have yourself right where you need to be to start this college football season. We're going through the Sun Belt uh, alphabetically today, and our next next stop is, is I would say, Phil, the polar opposite of Appalachian State and and uh, Arkansas State, maybe two of the big dogs in the Sun Belt. The Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina love that name, obviously. We, we've seen them pop up in the NCAA hoop tournament a couple of times, Phil, uh, here in the last 10 years. And, of course, they have been uh, quite the, uh, the fan favorite there. Now, the thing about this program, though, uh, is their head football coach, uh, Joe Moglia, who's uh, been a head coach at the FCS level, uh, is taking an indefinite leave of absence for medical reasons. That was announced at uh, the Sunbelt Conference Media Days. So they have a pair of coordinators, Phil, who have extensive head coaching experience. Mickey Matthews, who won an FCS national title and always a playoff team at James Madison. And uh, Jamie Chedwell, the OC, who was a head coach at Charleston Southern and thr- won three Big South uh, Coach of the Year awards there at Charleston Southern. So, Phil, they've got the experience there. And before we start with the team breakdown, uh, uh, which one of the coordinators in Coach Joe Moglia's uh, medical leave of absence is going to take over the reins of this football team? Uh, it's going to be Jimmy Chadwell, the offensive coordinator. He spoke at the uh, Sunbelt Media Days, which uh, – I've watched I've watched half of the Sunbelt Media Day so far. I haven't gone through the whole thing, but he was a very confident guy coming in. At the time of the Sunbelt Media, it was not announced that uh, Moglia would miss the year, but now it has been announced. But as you touch on, when you've got two guys that have been highly successful head coaches as your coordinators, I don't think they'll miss too much. Although I'll say this about Moglia. He was the chairman of the board for TD Ameritrade. He didn't really have the coaching background. Mm-hmm. Steps in in 2012 and guides this team to an 8-5 and five record, followed by 12, 12, 9, and 10 wins. Uh, Moglia is 51-15 and 15 in five years, and this from a team that was basically under one game under 500 the previous five years, and he takes yep. them 51-15. So there's something special about Joe Moglia as far as getting the production out of the team. Now, he's just taking a one-year leave of absence here, but I like the shape they're in coaching-wise. You know, Phil, and, and Moglia, as you touched on him, is going to lead me right into my next thought with you. He pretty much redshirted his entire 2016 freshman recruiting class last year, got him to 10 wins. So that bodes well for in advance of what he did at the FCS level. This really bodes well uh, going into this year in FBS play in the Sun Belt. Yeah, it's going to be a, a, a complete redshirt freshman class. And a lot of these guys, you know, when you're recruiting at Coastal Carolina, let's go back to 2012, his first year there. 
uh, basically are recruiting FCS athletes. But last year, Moglia uh, could say, we're going to the Sun Belt, we're going to FBS so you can recruit higher athletes because these kids were all going to play. He said, you're not even going to play FCS football. You're just going to be FBS. So this was basically an FBS recruiting class he brought in last year as opposed to the previous FCS classes. So you know they're a little bit more talented. They've all had a year to soak and get in there. Now, overall, this team is not all that experienced. They only have 10 returning starters coming back this year, four on offense, six on defense. But they do have some players. You look at Austin Wilson, the the QB, uh, who I expect to win the job. Austin Wilson uh, is a transfer. Uh, You know, we see signed at uh, FBS school originally and is now here. And uh, I think he can step in and do a good job. They've got Marcus Outlaw, a Boston College transfer at running back. That's a nice little pickup to have there. So you've got two FBS guys in that position. A little concerned with what we're going to have on the offensive line. Uh, you know, with only one and a half returning starters there, as well as defensively, the front seven pretty much changed. But once again, the talent's getting there. Uh, the expectations will be a little bit uh, lower, I think, this year. But uh, that the uh, the teams that will be taken on are going to be a lot, a lot tougher than what they have been facing. But it'll be really interesting to see what this team that has gone 51 and 15 the last five years can do in their first year of the Sun Belt. Right, and Phil, of course, extended a big welcome to uh, the Phil Steele 2017 College uh, Football Preview Magazine to the Chanticleers of uh, Coastal Carolina. And, of course, as Phil pointed out, you know, we, we've uh, discussed them quite a bit during those uh, those FCS days. Phil used to, uh, we keep, kept close tabs on the FCS as well and had a magazine there. But, I mean, Phil, obviously, I, I think, this is a transition year, and uh, while they are in good hands in Moglia's absence and uh, what have you, I I was surprised to see uh, that, you know, for a team making the transition, you ready for this? The South Point has their win total at five and a half. Now, that, that seems a little bit generous. I, I got to tell you, Phil, uh, you know, I, I would be inclined to uh, to go and look heavily at the under here. Yeah, I, I like the under as well on this one. And now, you know, I will preface it by the fact that, you know, Georgia Southern uh, and both both Georgia Southern and App State, Georgia Southern came in from FCS, went 9-3 yes. and three and 9-4 and four their first two years. That's right. not too bad. App State was a poor 4-8 and eight FCS team. First year of Sunbelt play, they went 7-5, and five, followed by 11-2 mm. and two and 10-3. and three. Okay, so App you're State, warning Georgia us. Southern... Yeah, both came in from the FCS, and both had the best ever first couple of year records. App State's got the best three-year record, and I think Georgia Southern was right up there as well. So it has been done, and really with App State, like I said, in 2014, they were a poor FCS team, 4-8 and in 2013, but went 7-5 and their first year in the Sun Belt. So don't completely discount Coastal Carolina, not with those coaches that they still have in place, not with that current record. This is a team that believes they will win. They come in here highly confident. Uh, you know, listening to the, the press conference with uh, Coach Chadwell, he was a guy that expects to contend for the Sun Belt title this year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we will see what happens there. But, yeah, I'm going to go with the under on Coastal Carolina. All right, so we're in agreement there. Uh, again, though, welcome to the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. Their first year of uh, FBS play, and they'll be an interesting watch throughout 2017. 
So glad all of you are interested in Strong as Steel. Tell all your uh, your wonderful college football friends about it. You can uh, get all the previews. Just go to iTunes, and you won't miss a thing getting ready for 2017. Let's continue on here. we got to go to Statesboro, Georgia. And sometimes under the heading fill of, ooh, if you make too many drastic changes, maybe the results won't be exactly what you're looking for. And what am I referring to? I mean, Georgia Southern, they've run that flex option with tremendous success for years. Uh, Phil, this Eagles football program averaged from 33 to 39 points per game, as, of course, you have all laid out in the magazine five years in a row. They averaged 33 to 39 points a game and running that flex option. Gave defenses fits from 11 to 15. Uh, they looked to pass the football more in 2016. Uh, Tyson Summers, the head football coach squad, they fell from nine wins in 15 to a five and seven 16. They dropped from 36 points a game to just 26 points a game. That's significant. Uh, a minus 10 to the wrong side there. Uh, they're going to be a younger very offense. But, Phil, they're going to bring the option back now at the forefront of their philosophy. All right, so this one-year transition of sorts philosophically, can they, with the style of football they've had great success with, can they jump right back into bowl game contention after the slide to 5-7 and seven a year ago? Yeah, now this is a team, Georgia Southern, that jumps up on my uh, stock market indicator, which I, I look at uh, very, very highly. They're a plus 4.0 there, and and really, I think you know when you when you play option football, you look at the you know New Mexico last year, for example, went to a bowl game. Why is that? Because their run game was number one in the country. They focused on the run game; it's what they do best, and that's what Georgia Southern has done for years. But all the coaches generally that run the the flex bone or the wishbone or whatever you know the triple option, they usually will say during the off season, well, you know, we might try to pass the ball more, be more effectively this year would be the key, but pass the ball more. And I think when you do that, you take away from the effectiveness of the triple option. I mean, opposing teams cannot uh, come when they've got their scout team out there, they cannot compare with how fast an actual option team runs the option. So you're at a deficit when you're taking on. Usually the first two drives are going to be scores in a ball game against a triple option offense because your scout team may have prepared you, but they can't run it as fast. But if you're trying to throw the football too much, I think it takes away from your effectiveness. And last year they went from uh, just 10.5 passes per game to 22 passes per game. Now, a lot of folks would think that means more scoring, right? Well, how about going from 36 down to 26 points per game? Their new offense coordinator, Brian Cook, comes in. Now, this guy worked at Georgia Tech, Army, Cal Poly. So that's option offenses. That's his experience, and they're going back to running the option. They do lose both their quarterbacks in Kevin Ellison, uh, and Fabian Upshaw. Both guys are very effective at the, the QB. They've got Shea Wirtz there. Seth Schumann is a guy who played minor league baseball. Uh, you know, so he's, uh, he's also a pitcher for the baseball team. We'll see if he ends up playing this year, but if he does, he is a good athlete for that. And the offensive line's a veteran group, so I do think they'll run the ball more. I've got some questions on the defense. Only two starters back in the defensive front seven from a unit that underperformed last year. Now, after talking to Coach Summers, uh, this summer, 
uh, going over the team. He's pretty confident in them. They've got uh, 10 returning starters, likes the talent. But they do only return 23 lettermen, and they lose 28. Highly unusual for a team to lose over half of its lettermen. I do like the fact they're going back to the option, but I don't think it's going to be a quick turnaround. I don't see him going from that 5-7 and seven team of last year back up to those nine win totals, but I do think they'll be a stronger team this year. Yeah, and that's something that uh, I think all the fans of uh, that program are, are counting on as well. It was a little bit of a shock for them now as you know we went through those win totals and a perennial uh, championship contender to uh, fall off to a uh, five-win campaign. But as Phil said, you know, his stock market indicators are really rising. Phil, the, uh, the gang of the South Point uh, set that win total at them for five. As you look at the schedule, uh, you, you're buying into a possible six-win or better season that gets them back into bowl contention. Uh, it's going to be tough to get there. Uh, I think if I was putting a number on the team, I'd probably put it at five, just based on the stock market indicator, the fact that it's gone 9-9 nine, nine down to five. The thing that would concern me is the experience level this team has with the uh, the 28 Letterman lost and only 23 returning. They're going to be an underdog at Auburn and at Indiana, no doubt there. Uh, be an underdog against Arkansas State at home, I feel. Uh, at Massachusetts, they could potentially be an underdog. That is a veteran Massachusetts team this year. At Troy, they'll be a dog. At App State, they'll be a dog. At Louisiana, they'll be a dog. Uh, toss-up games would be South Alabama at home and a underrated New Mexico State. So it's a, I think it's a tougher schedule this year with Auburn and Indiana in the non-conference play yeah. as opposed to what they faced last year. Uh, I like them at five, so I'm going to lean a little bit with the under, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to have to do the same thing with you because I, I just, uh, for all the reasons you just pointed out, I just think four or five is about the right area to go. So I think Phil and I are both going to uh, lean with the under there. And uh, we'll see how uh, getting back to that uh, their, their flex uh, triple option attack rolls at Georgia Southern. All right, we're going. We're rolling through the uh, the Sun Belt. We're doing the, uh, the the first six alphabetically today, and then we'll finish up the conference uh, tomorrow here on Strong as Steel on Thursday. So uh, again, we uh, we do these alphabetically, so it's not a projected predicted order of finish. But you can get that from uh, the Bible, Phil Steele's College Football Preview Magazine, of course. Let's stay in the state of Georgia. Head into the uh, the big city of Atlanta, and that's where we see the Georgia State Panthers. Uh, kind of a surprise, Phil, right off the top that they they fired head coach Trent Miles last year. Uh, I mean, look, he was the he was a Sun Belt Coach of the Year at fifteen. Took his Panthers to a bowl game. Now, Sean Elliott begins his first season with the program after. Of course, he did the same thing. He served as South Carolina's uh, interim head coach at 15 when Steve Spurrier uh, called it a day. Uh, he's got to revamp that offense. They only produced 19 points a game, Phil, last year. Former Utah quarterback, uh, Connor Manning, started 10 football games last year. The rush game, Phil, needs a large boost. I looked at that, Phil. Honestly, I looked at this three times to make sure I had it right. And I went through when I saw just 88 yards per game on the ground last year. Uh, so that needs a, a, a big boost. They got seven returning starters on the defensive side. They do have your third-ranked Sun Belt to secondary in the position um, unit groupings. 
Phil, I, are, are they going to be better on the football field than they appear on paper? Because, you know, on paper, you got a lot of things that skew toward the, uh, kind of the downside here for this football team. Well, remember what I talked about in the uh, the CUSA with uh, Bobby talking to Bobby Wilder at Old Dominion. Uh, when you don't have the talent of the other guys, sometimes you have to throw the football and go back to their bowl season of two years ago. Nick Arbuckle took him to a bowl game with his accurate passing, throwing for right. 336 yards per game. They only averaged 97 yards per game rushing there, only 96 yards per game rushing the previous year. I, like you, Michael, was very surprised that Trent Miles was let go. Mm -hmm. Uh, After getting them to, nobody thought they'd make a bowl game in 2015, and yet they did make it to a bowl game. And then having an off year like they did last year, replacing Arbuckle. And then also last year, right at the start of the year, their top wide receiver, Penny Hart, went down, which was a big loss to the offense. So this year they might have one of the better QB wide receiver combos in the league. They've got Connor Manning back. He's in his second year of the offense. Uh, last year he threw for over 2,500 yards, and he'll be throwing to Penny Hart this year, who's back at full speed. Another exciting thing if you're a Georgia State fan is they're moving their stadium. They're going to Old Turner Field, yeah. which has been complete, completely renovated. And, you know, Coach Elliott says that he was in the SEC and that this stadium will blow your mind. It'll take your breath away. That's his, mm-hmm. And here's a guy that's been to SEC stadiums, for crying out loud. So maybe a little hyperbole in there, but in the same token, it, it seems like it's going to be a nice home field edge as opposed to what they had. And this is a team that uh, you look over at their home record, and if you take away the first two years when they were 8-5 and five at home, they were 6-25 and 25 at home playing in the cavernous Georgia Dome, which would have about 4,000 fans in front of that huge stadium. I think it's going to be excitement for the new field, a larger crowd, a different environment, and actually give them a home field edge, which is going to help. Now, they've got 15 returning starters coming back. You know Elliott knows how to coach the offensive line. Defensively, I do like some players there. You look at Julian Laurent. Uh, he's a guy that's really emerged in the spring. He's 6'4", 3'10", at the nose guard spot. Uh, you know, when Elliott came into the, the, the practice, the first practice, he was thinking Laurent was just a guy. Now he feels he's one of the top defensive players on the team. So that shows you how a player can uh, go above your expectations. And as you touched on, a solid secondary this year. So it'll be a lot of fun to watch what uh, what happens with Georgia State. They came out of the blue with that solid passing attack right. in 2015. You wonder if they can do it again. Well, of course, and uh, Sean Elliott, his football roots, when you look at it, Phil, he was a very good defensive end at Appalachian State during his playing days. So that'll be intriguing, of course, uh, to get back in. And they've got Appalachian State at uh, the renovated uh, Turner Field, the former home of the Atlanta Braves, uh, coming up Thanksgiving weekend. So going to be a lot of fun. And you're right, Phil, it, it might uh, certainly boost a little bit of injection of life into that program. Uh, Georgia State is a football team, Phil, that, uh, that over-under sitting at six. So uh, the South Point believes that this can be a bowl-contending football team this year. How do you see it? Uh, number appears a little high for me, Michael. I, I do like Georgia State. I think they'll clearly be stronger. I could see the possibility of a bowl, but they do have to play at Penn State. Memphis at home, I think they'll be an underdog in. 
Uh, ULM, an underrated team. They do have to face them on the road. Troy at home, I think they'll be a dog. At Georgia Southern, a dog. Home to App State, a dog. Potentially a dog to South Alabama on a Thursday. Toss-up games would be Idaho at home, uh, Texas State on the road. So as much as I can see the excitement and see the potential of this team getting to a bowl, to top six wins this year, which is what you'd have to do to go over six, uh, I don't see it happening during the regular season. So I'm going to go with the under. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, every reason you laid out uh, certainly jumps forward and uh, very legitimate. So McPhil and I are both going under on, uh, but it should be uh, there should be excitement with Sean Elliott uh, as again he he knows his conference very very well, and with him uh, at the helm now of the Panthers of Georgia State, uh, we're rolling through uh, the uh, first six alphabetically today in the Sun Belt Conference. And, you know, as Phil and I always tell you, and again, we're proud of it. We really are because I can testify that no one, no one in the country gives you the type of uh, analysis, evaluations, assessments, and information that Phil Steele does in his uh, college preview magazine and all over philsteele.com than Phil. We treat it the same way as we do the uh, the Power Five, exact same way, no difference at all. They get the same amount of space in the magazine and the same amount of uh, our, our, our eyeballs each and every week. Phil's going to add to that this year for you because if you're a Group of Five fan, he'll be all over it with his uh, newly expanded duties with ESPN. Phil, how much are you going to be doing for ESPN.com this year? Uh, a whole bunch, Michael. And, uh, you know, it starts with ESPN Insider. You'll get uh, college games each week. You get updated power ratings each week and uh, all the, the slants you want on the college football game. Then you look at the NFL. I'll actually be forecasting each of the NFL games. And so I'm hard at work right now going over my NFL power ratings for the upcoming year, get myself completely up to speed as much on the NFL as I am on college. And I'm going to give myself the entire month of August to do that. So it should be a lot of fun. And then, of course, you'll see me sports centers and things like that throughout the course of the season. But uh, for those of you that say, hey, ESPN Insider is a pay site. I don't know if I want to go there. Guys, it's $3.33 a month. If you go to one ball game and buy one beer uh, once a month, then you've paid double what you pay for ESPN Insider. And all you have to do is go to ESPN.com slash Phil Steele. That's ESPN.com slash Phil Steele. And when you go there, you'll be able to get uh, access to ESPN Insider. Just click on it, sign up. It's just 3.33 a month for the uh, entire year. You'll love it, and uh, you'll get my college, you get my NFL. And not only that, you just don't get my stuff at ESPN.com slash Phil Steele, but you will receive NBA experts like myself. I don't do anything but football. There's NBA guys that probably don't do anything but NBA. Baseball guys that don't do anything but baseball. You get all the sports, all the experts, $3.33 a month. Uh, which comes out to about $0.10 cents a day. You can't beat that. So go to ESPN.com slash Phil Steele. You can't be the best without it. Uh, you got to be able to uh, dazzle all of your both college football and uh, NFL buddies and friends. You could do that, as Phil just pointed out. We're uh, delighted to have all of you with us. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, and our producer, Jim Nabosna. This is Strong as Steel. You can get every one of the previews of your favorite football teams, conferences. Just go to iTunes. Go to iTunes. They're there. 
and uh, make sure you're right up to speed with us as we get set to go full steam into 2017. Our final stop today in the Sun Belt is we're taking them alphabetically and breaking up the conference. Uh, six uh, programs today and six more tomorrow. Phil, we got to go way out to the state of Idaho now and check in with the Idaho Vandals. How about their plus-five turnaround win side for uh, Paul Petrinos? That started uh, in uh, in the squad that uh, took place in 2016. So they went from a a, a four win football team to a nine win squad. Sixty one point outburst, Phil, in their win over Colorado State in that famous Idaho Bowl. They were rolling. Quarterback uh, Matt Linehan now a senior, coming off a real strong 16 season. They averaged 30 points a game last year. Now, they do lose a lot of key starters, not as experienced defensively, um, uh, but yet they are offensively, rather. The defense expects to stay in pretty much the same area as 16. They did allow 31 points a game, though, a vast improvement, though, over the 42 points a game they gave up at 15. Phil, they're moving uh, back. We just discussed uh, Coastal Carolina. Now, Idaho, this is their last year in the FBS. They're moving back to the FCS and the Big Sky Conference in 18, where, where they were a force uh, when they were an FCS squad. And I bet you they're going to hope to rock their uh, that Kibbe Dome. I've called games out there, and that's a crazy environment in uh, in Moscow, Idaho. And it, uh, how do you think, though, that, you know, final year, you know, in the 18 to 22-year-old kids, final year in the FBS, the ones that still have eligibility, know they're going back to the FCS. How do you think? Or if at all, Phil, does that play into their their mindset here in 2017? Yeah, I think they'll attack it with a passion. Like our last shot at the FBS, and uh, you know, I have a lot of key indicators with Idaho, Michael, that point down. We're talking about a minus 6.5 in the stock market indicator. They had four net upsets last year. You've heard me talk about close wins, close losses. Right. They benefited from a lot of close wins last year. They were plus four net close wins last year. Their experience chart rating, they go from losing only 16 to 57 lettermen all the way down to number 93 on my experience chart. They only have 10 returning starters this year, so a lot of factors point down. I don't think they get to last year's nine-win total, but I tell you what, you know, I talked about Bobby Wilder's press conference last year where he pretty much called out the media for picking yeah. Old Dominion so low, and then right. they went out and proved it. I watched Paul Petrino's press conference with the Sun Belt, and this man is a little upset that this team in Idaho, which went 9-4 and four and won their bowl game last year, is picked so low uh, in the conference at number six. And he's thinking that they are going to contend for the league title. And, you know, talking to other coaches, most of them will tell you Matt Linehan, probably the top quarterback in the conference this year. They've got a chip on their shoulder. They won a bowl game last year. And that game against Colorado State, you look at the final score of 61-50, that thing was like a 35-point lead in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. They let Colorado State score some late, and now they're picked six. And I'm one of those guys that picked Idaho low based on the experience, based on all those factors that are down. But with Linehan back, with Saunders and Duckworth, both back at running back, here's a couple of guys both capable of being the feature back combined. They had 1,300 yards last year. Guy like Jacob Sandin at the receiver spot, uh, solid offensive line. They do only have two starters back, but Jordan Rose, Noah Johnson are both solid. And defensively, 
Petrino is really excited about the defense. Says it's the most speed they've had on defense since they've been there. Feels that Akeem Coleman is an all-conference caliber guy. Uh, Kadeen Ellis at the uh, end spot is a guy that can get at the buck rush linebacker spot can get some pass rush. Uh, Lashley and Hall are solid inside. Clark and Hightower are cornerback. So I think Idaho's a team to be reckoned with. Don't think they'll match last year's nine-win total, but I do think he gets them back to a bowl in their final year. Phil, if you were saying that uh, Paul Petrino was admonishing people at Sunbelt Media Days, you ready for this? Oh, he might I, he might have a conversation with the South Point. They, they got him at four and a half, Phil, for the win total this year. And let, let's take a peek at the schedule, Phil. Uh, Sacramento State and UNLV at home, right, to uh, begin their season. Then the uh, the road trip to Kalamazoo, Michigan, to go see uh, Tim Lester and the Western Michigan Broncos before they start uh, they start Sunbelt play. Now, they do have to play uh, Appalachian State. They got them at home, uh, but they avoid uh, Arkansas State. I, Phil, four and a half, I, I'm going to say they can get to five. I'm going to say they can get to five and uh, win five at least. I'm going to go over that. Yeah, and you look at last year. I mean, they were a a double-digit dog against UNLV and won that game on the road. They were an underdog at ULM and won that game. They were an underdog at Louisiana, won that game. And then in the bowl, they were were a double-digit, two-touchdown underdog to Colorado Mm. State and really controlled that game. Just a team that comes down the field with confidence, can pull some upsets. I personally think they'll be an underdog in seven games this year. But in the same token, I think they'll pull an upset or two. So I'm going to go with the over for Idaho. And I like Paul Petrino's confidence in that press conference. He seemed like he was a little <laughs> yeah. pissed off about that, Michael. Yeah, yes, yes, for sure. So it'll be an interesting watch. Uh, maybe we'll get on the Sunbelt Conference, uh, you know, conference calls every Monday that coaches have, Phil, because if this thing goes the way Petrino believes it will, he, I bet he'll start admonishing all the media each and every week when he gets them on Mondays on the uh, on the conference call. So it'll be an interesting watch this year for Paul Petrino and Idaho. And again, the thing to remember, this is their their last year in the FBS uh, out of the Sun Belt. They're moving back to where they originally uh, drew a lot of acclaim in the FCS. They'll be a Big Sky conference member. And again, you know, in the FCS, you, you have the uh, – the round of playoffs throughout late November and December and play for a national championship on the field could play as many. They, If you get to a championship game, you play as many as five additional football games in the FCS. All right, so that's going to uh, wind up the first six programs alphabetically in the Sun Belt. And, uh, Phil, great job, excellent analysis and breaking down these squads. And uh, we'll wind it up tomorrow and uh, finish off the uh, the uh, final six programs in the Sun Belt. So, Phil, we'll look for you then. Great stuff. And uh, study up now. we still got a couple of six of these programs to go in the Sun Belt. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Sounds good, Michael. Talk to you then. All right. That's Phil Steele, of course. And make sure you check out everything that uh, that is uh, Phil Steele. Uh, bigger, better, uh, more expansive, more information coming up at Phil Steele. Dot com. All right, for our producer, Jim Nabosna, and for Phil Steele, I'm Michael Regai. Remember, again, one more time, go to iTunes. Go to iTunes. You won't be left out when you're driving home from work, when you're doing chores around the house, when you got an extra hour or so, you'll get it all analyzed. Your favorite team, 
any conference you want, all of them up there at iTunes right now, Strong as Steel. For Phil Steele and Jim Nabosna, I'm Michael Regai. Appreciate your listenership, everybody, and we'll see you again tomorrow to wrap up the Sun Belt uh, on uh, Thursday right here on Strong as Steel. So long, everyone.